Brother Cammy, after service this morning, he was still real shaky after service, but he said he's feeling much better. So I want to thank the Lord for touching our brother this morning. God's always on time, ain't he? Amen. Let's try that break every chain. There is power. In the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain.
no other name but the name of Jesus. Amen. I would not be denied. Let's try that if the brothers could come receive the evening offering at this time. When pains of death seize on my soul, unto the Lord I cry. Oh, no. 
already know the truth. He ain't nothing but a liar. Amen. I tell you what, atmospheres like this, I just have a good old time. Amen. Greater is he that is in me. Give it. <clears throat> Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me.
because of all of your goodness and the joy that you give. I'm going to let my song fill the air. Yes, I'll sing it everywhere, Lord, my praise will crescendo. Appreciate our musicians. Amen. Amen. A couple of announcements, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Brother Cammy asked me to to say uh, I get he apologized for um, not doing a good job on the presentation after service this morning, but he just wasn't feeling good. He was very shaky and everything, um, so. He did a fine job, though. He's just being hard on himself. Um, so I certainly appreciate Brother Cam and Sister Sharon Rose, all the work they've done for the youth and for the youth banquet. I know what little bit I've been involved in is just a minor compared to what they've done. So I can't even imagine what all they've done. 
And then also, some of you remember Brother Liss Paul was here about a month ago, I guess, and he's uh, kind of the director of the, the youth choir that's coming in. And they're bringing in people from Trinidad to help run um, the audio and video um, that evening at the, the worship night. So um, trying to help uh, recoup some of the expenses for the, the brothers that are coming in from Trinidad. So we'll be sending out um, links for their cash app and Venmo if you would like to give um, towards helping those brothers recoup their plane tickets. Uh, some of that um, we'll be sending those out either this evening or tomorrow. As always, the different ones who've asked for our prayers. Um, don't want to forget little Asher Miracle, just believing that the Lord will, well, the work's, work's already done, waiting for it to be manifested in him. Amen. And all the different ones, God certainly knows each and every one of them. As always, we hold our pastor up in prayer. Certainly love our pastor. And uh, I know he's done so much for me since I've been here, and I can never thank him enough. Amen. Brother Kevin. If you don't mind, come take us to the Lord in prayer this afternoon. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request? Amen. God bless saints. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it's always a privilege to come back in your house, Lord. To come back on a Sunday night, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you for giving us this opportunity, Lord. I remember a time just a few years ago, Lord, we didn't have this opportunity, Lord. And you give it, you restored it back to us, Lord. We thank you for that this evening, Lord. Oh, God, you see the prayer request that was called out, Lord. I pray for each and every one, Lord, that was mentioned, Lord. You know each and every need behind the hand, Lord. Oh, God, so go to that need, Lord. Minister to them in a mighty way, Lord. And let, let them know, recognize who is in charge, who come made the way for them to come out of their sickness come out of their whatever the trial that they had lord oh god so so many times lord we go through trials and tribulations lord and we don't take we take it for granted that you just bring us out lord but oh god may we stop and recognize who you are lord to us lord may we worship you for who you are not just what you do but who you are lord you're the creator of all creation, Lord. We thank you for this, oh God, this evening, Lord. I pray you'll be with us here tonight, Lord. Come, walk the aisles among us, Lord. Be with Brother Daniel, Lord, as he brings the bread of life to us, Lord. Speak the, to us, Lord, to each individual, Lord. You know our needs, Lord. You know our hearts, Lord. Oh God, we thank you for our minister here to, that will tell us the truth, even when we're wrong, Lord. Oh God, may we take correction here tonight, Lord. If it is correction, Lord, may we take it to heart, Lord. Oh God, no doubt it hurts within, but Lord, oh God, we want to be right with you. One day we'll stand before you, Lord. Oh, God in heaven, have to give account for everything we do in this life, Lord. So be with us here tonight, Lord. Oh, God, may we, I trust that we have created the right atmosphere for you to come, Lord. And you to, we welcome you. May we, oh, God, make you welcome here tonight, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for these things, Lord. We thank you for the song services that was sung, Lord. The songs that was, oh, God, it was ministered to me back there, Lord, just to hear the songs, Lord. Oh, God, your name, your Jesus, your, the name of Jesus, Lord. The first time it was mentioned, Lord, there's a resurrection, Lord. So, oh, God, I pray, oh, God, you'll come resurrect us. Give us the joy of our salvation back in our hearts here tonight, Lord, at Word of Life Tabernacle. Oh, God, as I was just meditating back there, you spoke a word to me, life. There's life in this building, Lord. If we could just recognize that, Lord, here tonight, Lord. There's life, Lord. If there's one down in a, oh, God, in their, in their situation, Lord, I pray, oh, God, you bring life to them here tonight, Lord. Oh, God, bring them out of their, oh, God, trial and tribulation here tonight, Lord. We thank you for these things, Lord. We give you the praise and honor and glory for us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I second what Brother Kevin said in his prayer. Amen. I know we have a testimony from Brother Josh. We'll, maybe we'll wait till the end of service and let Brother Josh give his testimony. Uh, God's doing wonderful things around here. Amen. Let's sing uh, Jesus Got a Hold of My Life as we invite our pastor out. Oh, Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Jesus got into my heart, he got into my soul. Well, I used to be oh so sad, now I'm just free and glad. Cause Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Sometimes I remember how I used to be living in sin. I tried to act happy and free, but I wasn't within. I fooled a lot of friends of mine. They thought I had some peace of mind. But I never had a thing until I opened up and let you since I used the head worn <clears throat> when, I, when I hold the microphone I feel more Pentecostal <laughs> so I sh I'm not supposed to be doing a whole lot of moving around so I thought if I use this it would kind of settle me down but we'll wait and see the, the handheld makes you Pentecostal this makes you Methodist so We'll be a method, methacostal. <laughs> we'll just combine them both together. Oh, praise the Lord. Ain't no microphone going to stop me from praising God. Yeah. Nothing or nobody going to stop me from praising God. He's done way too much for me in my life. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. 
had a good service this morning. I trust something was said to help you and bless you and encourage you and edify you and strengthen you and correct you and rebuke you, whatever you needed. He knows what you need. He can look way down in the recesses part of your heart, see exactly what you need, and pull that out. And he don't have to expose it to the world, just expose it to you. And then you make that right, and then you just move on with God. I was reading in the, uh, uh, yesterday in the scriptures, and the wise man falls seven times. Gets back up. Wise man. Not an idiot, not a fool. A wise man. So if a wise man falls 75, seven times, I don't claim to be a wise man, but I'm going to fall. I'm going to make mistakes. But life ain't about falling. Life's about getting back up. Well, it feels good to be in church tonight. My, my, my. Good crowd on a Sunday night. I'll never forget uh, years ago, Jason Watt, Brother Jason Watkins, excuse me for not calling brother, Brother Jason Watkins came and he was preaching for us on a Sunday and had a good crowd on Sunday morning and, and a lot of places you go, you know, sometimes a half, more, the, more, more times than not, it's about a third of the crowd comes back on Sunday night and we had almost 90% back on Sunday night and uh, I, had, I used to have a screen in there where I could see the audience uh, before service and he looked at that and, and I, I panned it back and forth he said wow brother Daniel how do you do it I said what are you talking about he said get all these people to come back on Sunday night I said ain't but one thing that pulls the people back to church and that's the word that's the word and I'm not saying those other brothers ain't preaching the word I'm just saying that uh, that's what's happening here and even less this past Wednesday night we had a good crowd had a good crowd, so y'all might as well get used to good crowds and start getting here early because uh, the rapture's on the way, and those that are supposed to be in are going to get in, and if there's 30 seconds left, they got 30 seconds to get in, and I'm telling you what, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to our family members and our friends coming in and receiving the Lord and receiving the message so we can get out of here. Isaiah 43. <clears throat> Isaiah 43, verse 1. <clears throat> but now saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is your word, your infallible, pure, unadulterated word that you have inspired Isaiah to write. 
hundreds of years ago. And it's still just as powerful today as it was when he penned these words. And God, I'm looking to you tonight, the author and the finish of our faith, to bring the context out of the text and may it rest in our souls tonight, Lord. And, and may we leave here tonight stronger, better Christians, edified, strengthened, encouraged, corrected, whatever we have need of, Lord. You can take a service, and only you can do this, Lord, and you can orchestrate a service to where one man can speak to a group of people, and that one service touch every heart and every life. And God, we are told by the prophet of God that we can leave here better, we can leave here worse. It's up to us. So God, I pray the word would find good ground tonight, Lord, and bring forth an increase in every heart and every life. And when we go from this place, God, may we say within ourselves, did not our hearts burn? within us as you talk to us along the way granted god we give you honor praise and all the glory that's due your most precious name in jesus name we ask it amen god bless you you can be seated may the lord add his blessings to the reading of his word continuing on from this morning built and equipped for pressure Brother Ram tells us uh, about a bridge builder many years ago that there was a certain span of water that uh, needed a bridge, but nobody would, would build the bridge because they didn't think that uh, the sand and the sediment and everything below the ground, below, below the water would hold the bridge. And so this man took on the job of building this bridge. And every, Brother Bram says, every bolt, every nut, every piece of iron, everything that went into the bridge, he inspected it. So that way when the bridge was completely done and it was finished, that he could say, bring all that you want across. Bring all the... If you want military, if you want the people to walk across, if you want cars, if you want trains, whatever you want, bring it all the way across the bridge, all the way across the span of that great body of water. Because he knew he had tested and proved every piece that was in that bridge. And he knew it would stand the test. Now God again is building in this, in this hour, God's building a church. And understand this, if you're part of the church of the living God, that every piece, every person that goes into the body of Christ must be tested, must be proved. Because a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so every, every part of the body of Christ, God is testing, He's proving He's putting through trials and tribulations and sufferings and whatever it takes, pressure on every side, whatever it takes to make sure that we can fit into the body of Christ and that part of the bridge, that part of the body will not fail because he himself has tested it. He himself has proved it. When, when Joshua passed away in Joshua 24, and then it moves from Joshua into the book of Judges, you'll find out in the first chapter, first two chapters of Judges, that you'll find that there were five cities 
that were left in Canaan land. Israel did not conquer every nation in Canaan. There were five cities that remained. And the reason, some of you look at me like you don't read your Bible, but it's in there. Go read it. I promise you it's in there. I read it yesterday. Um, there were five cities in Canaan that God did not allow Israel to conquer. Because the Bible says he left them in the city to prove them by. Because had he, had he, had he wiped everything off, then there would have been no proving ground. There would have never been no uprising. There would have been no problems. There would have been, never been no pressure. There would have been no, in the back part of the minds of Israel, there would never, never been an opportunity of an attack. But now that these five cities are still remaining in Canaan's land, that now they've got to be watching out for pressure, for an attack, for a trial, for a tribulation. Are we together? So God left those in Canaan land to prove Israel by. And when God gave us the Holy Ghost, He did not take everything out of our flesh. He did not take, take everything out of our spirit. In our flesh, man, we still have see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. And in our spirit, man, we have conscious memory, reason, imagination, and affection that God did not take away from us. And he left those within us to prove us by. Because there has to be something in us to overcome. Because Brother Ram says God could have shoved us down a pipe out the other end and said, you're more than an overcomer. No, you didn't overcome nothing. So he has to allow things along the way for us to overcome. And we'll pray and we'll cry and maybe fast a little and maybe, you know, do what we have to do. Maybe listen to an extra tape. Maybe pray an extra half hour. But the bottom line is there's things in our life that we must conquer ourselves. We must overcome. Oh, it's quiet. Jesus had to conquer himself. Not my will. He had to bring himself subject to the will of the Father. There was something that, that the Father left in Jesus, which was personal will, self-will, that Jesus had to overcome. And he did. And there's nothing that God left in us that we cannot overcome. Because he always makes a way of escape. It all depends if you want to escape it or not. If you don't want to escape it, then you just stay in it. But he always makes a way of escape. So God, when he sends us out into the world and sends us out into the job place and sends us out you know, wherever we go in life and whether it's on vacation or whether it's shopping or whatever the case may be, he sends us out uh, equipped and built for whatever we're going to face. See, we're not prophets. We don't see visions. We don't know the future. So we don't know what we're going to face. But yet, God has already prepared us. He's already built us. Just as He did slain the Lamb from the foundation of the world before there was ever a sin. He made a way for sin before there ever was a sin. And He made a way for you to overcome before there was anything to overcome. Oh, what a gracious God we serve. That He has already made a way before the way was needed. 
He made a sacrifice before the sacrifice was needed. Because by being an infinite God, he knew in the future, by foreknowledge, that men would need a way of escape, that they would need the blood, that they would need the sacrifice. So he went ahead and already made the sacrifice from the foundation of the world. So when you would need it in the future, it's already there. He doesn't have to go kill another lamb or kill another bullock or kill another turtle dove. No, the price has already been paid. All he's looking for is those that will just only believe in the one sacrifice that was given. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, we'll just, for the sake of reading, we'll just read it so uh, it'll be fresh on your mind for this coming week because you may need it. Hmm. Romans 8. Romans 8, 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Aren't you glad tonight? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's amazing that Paul uses this pronoun, who, not what. Because there's a who behind the what. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, he's asking a very, very important question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? That doesn't mean you're not going to go through it because you are. But will it separate you? Or distress? Pressure? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep. For the slaughter, nay, I like that word, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him, through him, through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, I stand with Paul tonight, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He lets us know that there are things that you're going to go through in life. And I repeat again for the third time in the last week. Jesus said, in this life you shall have tribulation. You shall be persecuted of all men for my name's sake. And when you, and when you are persecuted, you're blessed. Blessed are you men, when men shall revile you. And say all manner of things against you. Blessed are you. Oh, we think blessing is a new four-wheel drive. We think a blessing is a new house. We think a blessing is a new this. And no, you're blessed when you're persecuted. You're blessed when, uh, when you're having trials. You're blessed when you have tribulations. That's why James said what he did because he had a revelation. Count it all joy. Because you're a blessed people. 
See, God don't put those people through that because He's not trying to build character in them. He's building it in His bride. Because the choosing of a bride is His choice. Choosing of salvation is my choice. That's free moral agency. Choosing to be saved. Choosing to be born again. That's my choice. John, Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But when it comes to choosing a bride, it's not our choice. And in order for him to choose us to be his bride, our character must match his character. Because Brother Ram says in choosing number bride in 65, whatever a man, whoever a man marries reflects his character. And so if God's going to choose us, and we want him to, choose us to be his bride, then we want our character to match his. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take for our character to match his so he will choose us to be his bride? God's not looking for looks. He's looking for character that will match his character, that can turn the other cheek, that can give a soft answer that turns away wrath, that love their enemies and pray for those that despitefully use them. Oh, it's getting quieter by the minute. But this is the character of Jesus that would walk up to the man that would betray him to death and kiss him on the cheek and call him friend. Wash his feet. Didn't expose him. Didn't call him a devil. All he said was, what thou must do, do quickly. Oh, see, we want to expose everybody for what they've done to us. Let the world know they did us wrong. That's not the character of Jesus. You, you need to understand, all of us, those streaming, even in French, all of us need to understand this. That Jesus' wounds were given to him by his friends. I didn't set over well. well. When Jesus comes back, as Joseph did when Asenath was in the, was in the palace, when we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and Jesus comes back to the 144,000, he will show them the scars in his body. Because the scars remain. Right? The scars are still there. And he will show them to his brethren. They will say, where did you get these? Not the house of my enemies. Because, see, wounds from enemies don't build character. Wounds from people you don't know and you don't associate with. Wounds from people that are not family don't hurt. I've had people cuss me on the road. I've had them flip me off. I've had them do all kinds of things. It's... Hasta la vista, baby. I don't know you. I'll never see you again in this life. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't know you. But let somebody that's close, close enough to be, excuse me, Brother Mike. He's not here. Brother Mike Fuller, our treasurer. Close enough to be the treasurer. They trusted him enough with the money of the church. Now, you just don't trust anybody with money. Now, you people know when I talk about money, 
It's like a clamshell shut. And, sh- and now I'm here with a screwdriver trying to get it back open. <laughs> There's an Erster in there somewhere. You don't just trust anybody with the money of the church. He's got a man that they think has impeccable character. A man that they, they, they feel like within themselves, he's not going to steal from us. He's not going to take any money. This is a man of character. This is a man that, that, that we trust. This is a man that we love. This is a man that's from the same tribe of Jesus. But yet, it was in the house of his friends. David said, had it been an enemy that done this to me, it would not have hurt. But it was his own son. His own family that turned against him and drove him from his, from his throne and drove him from his palace. Had it been an enemy, it would have been no big deal. Had it been the Philistines or the Amorites or the Malachites, no big deal. We'll just go to war with them. But he wouldn't go to war with his family. This is where the character is built the most. This is where our, our friendship should grow the most. You know, back in the day, years, years ago, back in the day, two men were at odds at one another, didn't like one another. Usually they'd have to fight it out. Then after they fought it out, they became best friends. And sometimes family has to do that. Kind of have it out. Just lay it all out on the, on the table. Lay all the cards on the table. But what it should do is not drive you to farther apart. It should bring you closer together. That's what it's designed to do. Not to drive wedges between families, but to make families stronger. Praise the Lord. If we are family here, yes, we're going to fight in the backyard. We're going to have disagreements. We're not going to see eye to eye on everything. But when it comes to the front yard, let somebody say something about my brother. Let somebody say something about my sister. I'll be on them like white on rice. You just better look out. You talked about my family. Come on, somebody. I still got scratches and bruises and bleeding like crazy from a fight with the same person in the backyard. But let's go in the front yard. And and let's see what they really mean to me. I'd give my life for them. And, And at the end of the day, what happened in the backyard don't matter. It's childish. It don't matter. Let's move on. We wasn't called to fight each other. Let me go on. Let me say this. We weren't called to fight the devil. Jesus already did that. We're called to fight ourselves. Our greatest enemy is not Lucifer. Huh? We're not here to fight the devil. Jesus whipped the devil at Calvary. Took the keys of death, held to the grave. He's already a whipped foe. I'm not fighting the devil. I felt like Tarzan. I'm fighting, I'm fighting me. I'm my worst enemy. I'm the one that gets myself in trouble. I'm the one that talks too much. And the quicker we realize that and bring this person under subjection, we'll be closer one to another. Instead of pointing fingers at everybody else, point them at yourself. 
And it'll create a bond of unity and a bond of love in this place that all hell can't break. And that's what I'm fighting for. Brother to brother, sister to sister, we're fighting for one another, not against one another. Joel 2 says they're marching in rank and not one of them gets out of order. Because they have a common enemy. And the common enemy is the one they stare at in the mirror. And once you perfect the one you see in the mirror, then start helping your neighbor. And until you get that person perfect, shut your mouth. Brother Terrence, we might have to have this stool all the time. Get some good anointing off this stool. Matthew chapter 11. And nobody cover up that clock for me. You may think it's that size, but to me it's that size. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28. Now we're talking about pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I mention pressure? From all sides. Hell hath enlarged herself. Brother Ram said, the lid has, souls in prison, 63, the lid has been tore off of hell. He said, streams of demon power are pouring in from every direction. So wherever you look on the compass, there's demons flooding in. We're surrounded on every side. But my Bible tells me when the Spirit, when He comes in like a flood, I'll raise up a standard against Him. Praise the Lord. Now this is the words of Jesus, so don't take them lightly. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me. Oh, how much better things would be if He would just come to Him. Come to Jesus. Quit trying to figure, out, figure it out on your own. Quit trying to give your own solution to your own problem. You don't have the solution to your own problem. You got the problem. How do you have the solution? If you had the solution, you wouldn't have the problem. Come to Jesus. He's got the answer to all life's problems. Come unto me. All ye that labor. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about when it talks about labor? Now, I'm not talking about plowing in the field or do what you do for a vocation. I'm talking about laboring from sunup to sunset. Fighting the good, the, the, the good fight and the greatest battle ever fought. Isn't that a paradox? Paul said it's a good fight. The prophet of God comes in this hour said it's the greatest one he ever fought. In, in what way did he mean greatest? 
The greatest battle ever fought. In what way did he mean the word greatest? Now when I think of the word greatest, if I'm going to go into the sports uh, part of, of our generation, they're, they're all the time trying to figure out who's the greatest in this sport, and who's the goat, and who's the one that, you know, uh, greatest of all time, and who's the one that was best ever lived in this sport, and the best ever lived in this sport. That would mean they was the greatest, the top, nobody better. So when you look at it a little bit differently than we've looked at it for years, the greatest battle ever fought. It doesn't always have to mean it's the worst we ever fought. Because when you realize what this battle is producing, and you really catch the revelation of it, it is the greatest. Because it will produce the greatest character that any human has ever seen. It will bring to a bride the greatest reward of all the other six ages. No other age gets to sit with him in his throne. Oh, y'all are thinking, I see smoke coming out of people's ears. Greatest battle ever fought. In what way? Great in the way that he is molding us on the potter's wheel. And whatever he does not see in his mind as the vision of us that he's seen from the foundation of the world, he's going to cut away. That part hurts. Sometimes it's, excuse me, sometimes it's friends he got to cut away. Y'all hang with me. Don't cut me off. I ain't done. Sometimes it's blood family. For a season, he might have to cut them off. Sometimes it's a job. But whatever doesn't match the vision in his mind, he's going to cut it off. Because all, all he's doing is taking away what don't match the vision in his mind. When Michelangelo was, was building, was sculpting Moses, he never touched Moses. I'll let that sink in a minute. He never touched Moses till the last smite on his right knee. The whole process of the years that he sculpted Moses out of this piece of, of, of stone, he never touched Moses. He only cut away that which was not Moses. Because had he touched Moses, he would have marred the masterpiece. When God is putting us through this process, He's not touching you. He's taking away everything that's not you. Well, some of you ain't thought this deep in a long time. What he's trying to do when he looks, just, just imagine if you have an imagination. Uh, uh, pretend you're watching Barney for a minute. And you have an imagination. And this organ is a piece of stone. Now when Michelangelo looked at that piece of stone, he did not see a piece of stone. He's seen an image inside that was crying, crying, screaming to get out. But it took a master builder. It took a master sculptor. 
to bring Moses out of what surrounded him. To bring Moses out of his situation. God have mercy. To bring him out of the situation that he was in. And so as he began to chip. Now in the beginning. No doubt Michelangelo got a big hammer. You remember when you first got saved. And all the things of the world still trying to hang on. The habits and the cussing and the smoke. And you're trying your best. You know, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. But, you know, the, you've been doing it for so long. I talked to my grandfather 40 years after he'd quit smoking. 40 years. The doctor told him, said, Herb, if you don't, if you don't quit smoking, you're going to die an early death. So he quit smoking. And he told me, he said, Daniel, he said, years. It's been decades since I've smoked a cigarette. He said, and still to this day, I find myself reaching. Because of the habit for all those years, he just automatically reached and lit it up. Sometimes it takes a while for habits to die out. Give people time. Give people time to go through sanctification. Maybe you didn't go through it over time, overnight. Maybe you did, but you got to give them time to move through the process to get to a new birth. Because when the woman's water breaks, that's not the baby. When the blood comes forth, it's not the baby. It's part of the process, but it's not the baby. These are processes leading up to a new birth. And so when Michelangelo looked and inside of this great piece of marble or stone, whatever it was... He got a big hammer and a big chisel. And he starts chiseling out big chunks. Never touched Moses. He was careful. He knew exactly where to hit. Have you ever seen a diamond cutter? I have. I've watched a diamond cutter. And they have to know exactly what they'll do or they'll ruin a three-carat diamond. They have to know exactly what they're doing, where to cut it. And they study it for, who knows, days, maybe hours, weeks, to know exactly where to cut it. Because if they don't, they'll leave a flaw in it, then it diminishes the money that it's worth. So they have to know what they're doing. And Michelangelo was a master sculptor. So he knew where to put the chisel and the hammer. Bang! Big old piece. Big old chunk, you know, like when you first got saved. That bad habit that you had for all those years. All of a sudden, you went to grab the bottle, you went to grab the cigarettes, or you went to grab the lotto ticket, and all of a sudden, I don't need that. <laughs> Nobody told you you couldn't do it. Oh, my. If people would just come to Jesus, He'll clean up your life. You mean I don't have to quit this and quit this? No! Come unto me, all ye that labor. He didn't say stop your labor and then come to me. He didn't say stop your sin and then come to me. He said come as you are. And I will give you rest. If more preachers would catch the revelation that legalism doesn't put you in. The life of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is what puts you in. Let the blood do the work. 
Let the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, do the work. You don't have to stop. Well, i got to stop doing this before I can let Brother Daniel baptize me. No, you don't. Bring all your burdens. Bring all your cares. Bring everything you've got to a watery grave. And if you've really, truly, 100% repented, when you come up, every one of those habits stay in that water. When the Israelites come out of the Red Sea, all of the, Philist- uh, uh, all of the Egyptians stayed in the water. Well, glory. They didn't bring one habit with them. They didn't bring one Egyptian with them, not one chariot, not one horse. They left them all. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. See, the problem is, and I found it years ago, Brother Bram said people never do truly repent. So that's why they go down a dry center and come up a wet one. Because they never did open every door to Jesus. You open every door to Jesus and I promise you, you let me baptize you in Jesus' name. I'll buy you all the cigarettes you can suck. Come on, somebody. Too many preachers still trying to preach legalism. Trying to discern people by the way they look and the way they act. You ain't got no discernment. Just because somebody wears a pink shirt don't mean they're queer. I'm talking about a man. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty broken down man right now. I'm not in my best of shape. Anybody here want to dare call me a female, I'll meet you outside. And we'll have a come to Jesus meeting. Because my daddy always told me, Brother Chris, if you can't whoop him, pick up the difference. And I've got him. <laughs> Ain't no man going to call me that. Just because I wear a shirt that might be pastel. Are you kidding me? Pastel. Oh, if you got any pastel, it's feminine. So that makes you feminine. These, uh, y'all look at me like I got three heads. There are men in this message that will not let me preach in their pulpit unless I'm wearing a white, lily white, bleached white shirt. And they will tell me. Now I've already had somebody warn me. But they would tell me if I walked in with a pastel colored shirt. Brother, I can't let you preach this morning. Well, am I, am I off the word? Am I off the doctrine or the word? Am I, am I not preaching the message? No, you've got a blue shirt on. Pastel blue. Okay, so that makes me in false doctrine. That makes me in the Antichrist. I'm going to lead your people astray because I have a pastel blue or pastel pink or pastel yellow. People ought to come around this place around Easter. And see all you colored brothers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then, and, and then come to the conclusion 
that you have an infeminate spirit because you're wearing the wrong color shirt. And say that a woman, if she has a zipper in the front of her skirt, she's got a masculine problem. Or if she has back pockets in her jean skirt, where's she going to put her stuff? Where are they getting this stuff from? It's like I said Wednesday night. If you ain't got scripture, keep your mouth shut. That's Pentecostal legalism. We don't need no more of that. We need Christ in us, the hope of glory. That will lead us and guide us into all truth. I don't have to worry about going somewhere wrong. I don't have to worry about listening to something wrong. I don't have to worry about watching something wrong. I don't have to worry about doing something wrong. I got the Holy Spirit inside of me that tells me, Boy, you know better than that. You know better than you shouldn't be doing that. I don't need a man to tell me when something is wrong. I got the comforter, which is Jesus Christ, on the inside of me, telling me and leading me into all truth. We don't need a list of rules of do's and don'ts and cans and can'ts. Now understand you, understand you people know where I stand. I stand on holiness. I stand on righteousness. I don't believe in a bunch of people looking like flappers and street walkers and hoop earrings. And well, Lord, is this the time? Because I'm going to have to get out of this chair to say this. Because it's going to go over like a lead balloon. So, so uh, all of y'all buckle up. You be there because I'm going to need you. Because when all the swords are hurled at me. I'm going to have to sit down and duck. Everybody believe me to be a servant of God. Anybody don't believe I'm a servant of God. Anybody don't believe that I'm called to be the pastor of this church. 100%. Believes that I'm the pastor of this church. God called me from the foundation of the world to be the pastor of this church. And for some time there has been some. Different things that have grieved me, and I've put them before the Lord, and I say, Lord, you tell me when to say something about it because I don't want to be in the flesh. And since I'm on this subject, there has been some things, and, and, and I, know, I know how people is going to do because I know human nature. But when, when Sister Angie had, she's not here, uh, they're in North Carolina, but when she had her cancer and she lost her hair, her youngest daughter, Holly, bought her a wig. And most of the time, you couldn't, I say most of the time, I never could tell it was a wig. And, and uh, at, at, at the very length of it, it was trimmed off because it was a wig. The, obviously, Christian people didn't make it. And she tried her best to curl it and make it look like it wasn't cut. But for some reason, we've had an influx in the message of people putting wigs on that makes it look like they've cut their hair. They wouldn't cut their own, but they'll put one on 
that gives the appearance that it's cut. Y'all be careful when y'all throw them. Jesus is on that side, and Jesus is on that side in the pillar of fire. So be careful with your aim. I told my wife, I said, you know, if I was to walk out of my office one Sunday morning, and I had a, a uh, it wouldn't be a male wig because it'd be too long, but if I, could, if I could find a wig that would fit my head really good and you couldn't tell it, and it had a man bun or a ponytail, Oh, but the others do. And I walked out here with my ponytail swinging. And I even tied a bandana around my head to look me, make me look like Willie Nelson. And walk out here and just like nothing happened, like no big deal, and just start preaching. You people wouldn't hear nothing I'm saying. Because of the appearance. It's not my hair. But the appearance makes it look, if I was to go out in public, then people would know no different. Then people did not know Sister Angie had on a wig. So if I was to walk out with a man bun, it would be hard for me to walk like a man. <laughs> Those things just, you know, they just carry... But yet, for some reason, it's, it's been adopted that it's okay to put something on that has the appearance that it's cut. And so everybody doesn't know that it's a wig. And they think someone's cut their hair. Would you walk in the presence of Jesus with it? But they walk in these doors in the presence of Jesus. Well, maybe we need to stand and have the toxology and sing just as I am. And See, the reason it's quiet is because most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just sometimes have to wonder what motivates a person to want to look like the world. Because if a person's not careful, if they want to look like the world, eventually they'll end up really looking like the world. Because there's so much pressure in on us to be like the world, to act like the world, to dress like the world. The influence, the peer pressure. Even in message churches when, well, I won't go there, but certain camps and certain meetings that I've been to, you look at these young guys that are at, supposedly come from message churches and no belt on and their underwear showing. And, 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 and they don't know what an iron is. I mean, it's okay if you want to you iron your clothes. I mean, I get I hate ironing, but I'm not going to church looking like I jumped out of a dumpster. 
We're coming in the presence of Jesus. Where two or more would gather in my name, there am I in their midst. It's creeping in. The pressure is getting to the bride, is getting to the church, is getting to the message. Just like I said, music is getting into it. Fashions is getting into it. The way guys are wearing their hair. Jesus, help me, Lord God. I'm going to take two weeks off. You know, I was raised a way that you took care of yourself. You took a little, I know the word pride gets, gets in, stuck in people's crawl, but you took a little pride at how you looked, especially when you went to church. There was more times than I could count. I would come out of my bedroom with, a, with clothes on my mom and I said, you ain't wearing that to church. You're going to dress like somebody. You're going to look like somebody. You're going in the presence of God. Get in there and get some clothes on that's, fit, that's, that's, that's worthy of going to church in. Oh, but see, in, in, in the modern-day charismatic world, in the, in, the, in, in the world, the prosperity, word of faith move, flip-flops, torn-up jeans, chains down to their navel, earrings everywhere. Oh, praise the Lord. And, and, and so all of a sudden, with those kind of people looking like that, no telling what kind of lives they're living, oh, but it's okay to take their songs and bring them into our church. I can't get past the way they look. The way they sing. Some of the pastors are getting involved with the worship. And it's becoming nothing... I watched one the other day. Some of you have heard of Elevation Music, which is led by Stephen Furtick. And Stephen Furtick ain't nothing but a thug. If you know anything about him, if you don't, you're better off. But he was up there and he had the microphone. I don't want to have to do this. But, you know, he left the microphone on the stand. And he did like Elvis would do and left the microphone. And Jerry Lee Lewis would take the, leave the microphone on the stand. And he was rocking back and forth with that, you know, like he was rocking a woman. Like he was, you know, wooing a woman. And, and I could not even understand the, th- the word that he was saying. I don't know if it was dive, jive. I don't know what it was. But over and over they said the same word. And he's doing this. The pastor. Back and forth. And cut up jeans and jean jacket and necklaces. And I'm thinking, what have we come to? I almost feel like Brother Branham did when he seen the church. He said, is this what we got to offer? But he said, the bride must preview again. And the vision went out with his voice screaming, get back in line. And the same voice that screamed through his mouth is screaming through my mouth. Get back in line. Don't you realize, I got to close. Don't you realize that when Israel went into Canaan's land, One of the first things God told them, do not adopt their worship. Do not follow after their worship. Do not follow after their false gods. There's a reason the first commandment is what it is. There's a reason number one is number one. Have no other gods before me.
Because he knew they was moving into a land full of gods. Full of demonic worship that would actually sacrifice their own children to their false gods. And one of the first things he told them was, do not follow after their worship. God does not accept human sacrifice. Except Jesus. Jesus was the only human sacrifice God ever accepted. Had a man tried to prove to me that Jephthah offered his daughter as a burnt offering to Jehovah. I believe it's Judges chapter 4, 5, 6, somewhere along in there. And Jephthah was going to war and he asked God for a sign. He said, the first thing that comes through my gate I will sacrifice to you if you'll give, it, give me an answer of peace and give me the lives of my enemy. And his daughter come dancing through the gate. And he began to weep and wail and mourn. And so people started preaching that Jephthah took his daughter, tied her to a stake, and burnt her as a burnt offering to the Lord. Now, first of all, you don't do your own offering. You take it to the high priest. I sit down in front, and some of you know this story, but we got some new folks, so I'll tell this, and I'll close this down. I was in a restaurant, and I was sitting in front of another pastor, and something come up about what another man had preached about Jephthah and his daughter. And I said, you don't really believe that he killed his daughter as a burnt offering to God. He said, well, I most certainly do. And God strike me dead if I tell you a lie. I said, why do you believe that? He said, because so-and-so preached it. See, that's the problem with listening to too many voices. I said, well, let me ask you a question, because I, I, I had already done my home, homework, Brother Joel, so I knew kind of a little bit about history and knew about the Bible, and I'm not a novice. I've been around a little while. So I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, back in those days, uh, this was obviously after Moses and the tabernacle and the, you know, offering of blood, of bulls and goats and bullocks and turtle doves and pigeons and all this kind of things. I said, um... Just, just it play out the drama in your mind. Jephthah bringing his daughter to the door of the temple, tabernacle, in the wilderness. And saying, this is my offering for my sins. Tell me a high priest that's going to slit her throat and put her on the altar behind the veil. Because she wasn't worthy. There was only one human worthy. Over, but Brother Daniel, then what did they do? They bewailed her virginity. She never knew a man. She never got married. Never had him any grandchildren. His, prosper, his posterity stopped at her. Had no grandchildren. And they said years afterwards, years after she was long gone, they would go to the certain mountain and bewail her virginity. And I said, now you tell me what her virginity has to do with being sacrificed. The fact of the matter is. They bewailed her virginity. Because she died a virgin. In her old age. 
She never knew a man. She never got married. That was the sacrifice. Because in Hebrew, in, in, in the Hebrew culture, it was a big deal to have children and grandchildren. Especially a son. Or a grandson. And so he sacrificed her. And she lived with him till she died. She never knew a man. So if he, if he burned her at the stake and burned her as a sacrifice, then why did they bewail her virginity? No priest would have taken her as a sacrifice to, to offer up sacrifice for sin of a human. It wasn't good enough. There's only one blood that was good enough. But see, we get under pressure, even in the message, we get under pressure. And we, oh, so-and-so is preaching this, and so-and-so is preaching this. Oh, well, wait a minute. Does, just because so-and-so is preaching it, does that make it right? Let me bring it down to word of life. Just because I'm preaching it doesn't make it right. No, God has to vindicate it. Oh, some of you didn't hear me. God has to vindicate every minister. Not just Brother Branham. He has to vindicate every ministry to every local assembly. That if the word is not there, then you need to find a church where the word is there. Because that's the most important part. Had a man call me years ago, said, I'm leaving the church. I said, is that right? He said, yeah. He said, this and this and this has happened. And these people gossip and these people talk. I said, man, every church talks. I said, there is no perfect church. And I, I said, where are you going to go? I said, what church are you going to go to? And he um, told me the name of the pastor. And uh, 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 in my, in, underneath my breath, inside of me, I chuckled. Forgive me, I, I, I just did. And I said, really? You're going to that church? He said, yep, they got good music. I said, so you're leaving our church because people gossip. Going to another church because they got good music. Does that make any sense to anybody? They got good music, so I'm going there. You're not going to be fed? No, but I'm going to worship. The Word always comes first. Hebrews 4.12, the Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is, that's how you judge a church. By the Word that's preached. And whether it's vindicated or not. When you come to church and you've been talking on the way to church, you've been talking last night, you've had conversation with your husband, your wife, with your children, whatever the case may be, you've been praying about something. I didn't know what it was all about. I don't know what you said. I don't know what you prayed. I don't know what you discussed. Then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit takes me down a road and just opens you up like a book. Friend, you ought to be so grateful to God because He has vindicated the ministry one more time. That He is among us in the form of His Word. Let's stand. God, have mercy. It don't do me no good to set an alarm. That's all right. The message got through. The message always gets through. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad He came to church today? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <clears throat> if you would, remember Sister Canisius, she's close to delivery. And you know what the prophet of God said about that.
the most treacherous journey that you'll ever take is through the birth canal, so hold her and the little one up before the Lord. And by God's grace, next Sunday, we will, we will be dedicating Baby Miracle. And for those of you that aren't on social media very, very much and you didn't see what happened yesterday, um, I felt, I felt good, good enough to ride. My, my wife was gracious enough to drive most of the way <coughs> up to Brother Dwayne and Sister Heather's, and they did a birthday for Liam. He's one year old. Can you believe it? One year old already. And, um, and then they had the gender reveal for the baby she's carrying. <coughs> now, before I move on, I'll kind of hold you dangling on a string about the gender reveal. I was, uh, I don't remember who was at the table with me, Brother Joe Green or somebody, I can't remember who was at the table with me, and I said, I said, I want, there was, I don't know, three or four brothers around the table, I said, I want you brothers to think with me, and, and if you have an answer, give it to me, I'd like to know, of a family that's went through adoption two times, in vitro, and now natural childbirth. And have four children. Well, she will have in a couple months. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Adoption? Because they didn't think they could have kids. So they adopted Jaden and Savannah. Well, then they started looking in, in vitro. And somebody, somebody gave them the money. Donated the money. Because it's expensive. It is horribly expensive. They donated the money to go through the in vitro. And, and Sister Heather, um, I'm her favorite uncle. Oh, some of y'all don't like that. I ask her. Just, just ask her. Because me and her are so much alike. We're real nervous and, you know, anxious. And I know we're not supposed to be, but it's, it's genetic. So I blame it on genetics. But, and, and so she has a pastor. She talks to her pastor. I'm not, I'm not her pastor. I don't take that place. But uh, she wanted to talk to me one afternoon about the in vitro. Because she wanted it to be all natural. No help from medical science. And I understood that. I completely understood that. So I got on the phone with her and I told her, I said, uh, Heather, I said, let me explain some things to you. I said, God, uh, Brother Bram tells us that TV was in the Garden of Eden. TV was here back then. Now it wasn't in the Garden of Eden. They didn't watch TV in the Garden of Eden. But the technology was here. Okay. And all the technology we have today, you know, all this was here then. But it take all these years for man to tap into it. So God has allowed, and it's made our life easier. Now, it's made it harder in a lot of people's life, but it has made life a lot easier in a lot of ways. And so I told her, I said, God has raised up men and women in the medical field to have an understanding to know how to do these things. I don't understand how they can take this, you know, the sperm and the egg and put it together and do all that. That's beyond me. And then insert this into her and, and, and become a baby and she give birth. You'd never know the difference. You'd never know that Liam was in vitro. You understand what I'm saying? I said, so God can use any avenue that he wants to use. I believe I'll have new knees. I believe I'll be able to run and jump and play with my grandkids. It's going to take some time. But God had men that knew how to replace my knees, replace my shoulder. See my shoulder? Some of y'all just don't really know. You just don't really know. Three surgeries, sepsis, 
almost died with this one. He asked me the other day, he said, raise your arm for me. I said, whoa, dude. They call me, you think I'm bragging, but I'm just telling you facts. You can walk in the door with me and hear them say this. Here's the overachiever. Because they'll tell me to do a certain exercise, do it 20 times, and I'm standing there talking, and I'm just 40, 50, 60 times. I think you've done enough. I think you've passed 20. I said, well, I lost count. I was talking. And so I told her, I said, God has allowed men to tap into the resources of, of science and, and medicine to help people along that's in your situation. And I said, listen, Heather, all life still comes from God. I don't care what man does. Doctor can set a bone, but he can't heal it. He can stitch up a wound, but he can't heal it. Come on, somebody. All healing comes from God. So it seemed to settle her down a good bit. It seemed to settle her down because that's what I was trying to do. She was just all up. She didn't know it was before they did the in vitro. And I said, go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it and see if it works okay. If it don't, then it wasn't God's will. Well, it took, and we have Lim. Well, I got a phone call about eight months later, nine months later. And my wife is beside herself. And she calls me upstairs. I thought somebody was dead. You know, women do have a ten tendency to overreact just, just a little. I'm glad it's closing, closing time. So. so I ran upstairs. I said, what's going on? She said, Heather's got some news for us. I was like, okay. So she put it on speakerphone. She says, I'm pregnant. He's 50. You're 38. And you're happy? <laughs> this I do not understand. <laughs> and she said, completely normal, completely the way of life as God ordained it. Friend, you want to talk about a miracle among us? Went through adoption. Brother Ram said, go the adopted route. They obeyed. Then they went the in vitro route. They did what I and her, and her pastor counseled her to do. They did that. Full obedience. As Abraham and Sarah. It's terrible to parallel them with Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> 90 and 100. We're glad we're half their age. But anyway... And so they obeyed. Every time they was told something, they obeyed. They did it exactly, and it worked. And now here they are. Went through adoption twice. Went through in vitro. And now, just a few weeks from now, she will give birth to a little baby girl. And yesterday morning... We was getting ready to go. I don't claim to be a spiritual person. At all. I'm pretty normal. I don't claim to be spiritual. But sometimes God lets me see things. Just randomly from time to time, God will let me see things. And so, most of the time when people ask me what if it's going to be a girl or boy, hey, we got 50-50 shot at this. Might as well go ahead and guess. I mean, you know, if you're wrong, you still had 50% chance. 
So my wife asked me, she said, what do you think it's going to be? And as I stand before you, I seen before my eyes a flash of pink, just like that. That's all I seen, just a flash of pink. And I said, well, I don't know if I ate too much breakfast or if um, all I know is what to tell you. I just seen a flash of pink. And she was, she was wanting pink for their sake. She wasn't wanting a girl for their sake. But she was really thinking it was going to be a boy. And when they opened that suitcase and it was full of pink clothes, friend, I almost took a rapture. <laughs> <laughs> and the look, they have it on videos on social media, and the look on their face was priceless. Absolutely priceless. That God has now given them a full family when for all those years they fought and we fought with them and now we look and we see the manifestation I think we ought to give God some glory my 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 isn't he good So next Sunday, by God's grace, we're going to dedicate another miracle. I mean, a miracle from God, my friend. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've, I've come to the place now to where I can get up and down the steps pretty good. And so I was kind of worried about getting down and then holding the baby with a, you know, three-week-out post-op knee. I, was, I said, let's put it off for a few weeks just in case. Because the last thing I want to do is drop somebody's baby. So I may get my wife to come up here and half hold it with me. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm telling you, friend, God's moving in a mighty way. In a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, on oh, Sing that again. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, no. 
Amen. Isn't God good to us? Love all the faith-building testimonies. Amen. You got time for one more? Brother Josh has a, has a testimony for us. Amen. You can turn that mic on for him, Brother Dave. Uh, God bless you. Probably not going to take too long. Uh, that is something that happened to us, me and my wife, basically my family, about two weeks ago. We we went we rented a car here and went out of town to Cincinnati in Ohio for a wedding. And when we got there, I was working at the wedding event, so I was really busy, and my wife was taking care of the kids. And my daughter, Aliora, she threw the car keys into a lake, basically. Uh, so it was kind of like a pond right behind the uh, where we were having the party. And... The lady that worked there told us it's about 12 feet deep and there's nothing we can do about it. So it was my rental car keys and my own car keys and the gate uh, key card. And I was really stressed out because I was busy and I just didn't know what to do. We had to drive back here and it was a rental car and it was so stressful. And the lady made it clear that there's there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. So we just had to find it another solution. No one can dive in there. It's not a swimming pool. It's, it's a lake. You, do, you don't access it. They don't clean it. They don't take care of it. So I went out to speak with a rental car company, and my wife stayed there. So she, as she was stressed, too, then she remembered the testimony that Brother Daniel, our pastor, gave here about him losing his car keys as well, and he prayed about it. So she said, Lord, I remember you did this for my pastor. He lost his car keys, and he found them. You did this for Brother Isaac when he lost his ear parts in, uh, in a store, and he found it. If really you did that for them, I want to find his car keys right now here. And when she did that, the lady that was working there, she's like, okay, I remember we used to have a swimming pool here a long time ago. I'll go try to find that stick that they use to clean the pool with. I don't know how they call it. And then she just, and we didn't even know where my daughter threw the car keys because it's so big and my wife wasn't even paying attention. So she had no idea where even to look. And the lady just started kind of looking around by the area. And she did it for a very long time, about 12 times, she said. And she was about to give up. And that's, I believe that's when my wife uh, said that prayer. And she said, okay, I'm just going to try it one last time and I'll, and I'll give up. And as she put it in, she pulled the car keys. And, yeah. So I, was just, I just wanted to say, uh, I know sometimes testimonies are given up here especially when someone is preaching and we feel like it's something so small, like it doesn't matter. But my wife based her faith on that, and that's when we were able to, to retrieve our car keys, and it was a miracle to us. And we're so grateful for all the testimonies that are given here and for God to be among us to act in this mightily. God bless you. may seem small to somebody, but it's huge to somebody else. Amen. Amen. It's just, my faith is just so uplifted. 
They, he told me that this afternoon. Brother Isaac, like, he need to do that in church. I was like, yes, he's going to do that in church. Yeah. I asked pastor first. I didn't just do it. But, yes, um, so thankful for what God's doing. Um, quick announcement. Um, the 5th, it's a Saturday. Um, we're going to have a work day. Anybody that can come, um, the more the better. We'll get it done quicker. We've got some things we want to get done before um, that banquet weekend. Um, we're going to have so many people here that Sunday morning um, expecting 500 plus on site. So um, just some things we need to get done. So if you can be here that uh, Saturday the 5th, we'll just plan on a 9 a.m. start time. Um, so we'd appreciate it. Sister Christine brought a, a floor cleaning um, deal. She's going to be doing the floors in the fellowship hall. So we'll need to be moving tables and chairs and different things and just some things we need to do. So if you could remember that. And if you can make it this two Saturdays um, from now. And then this Saturday, there'll be a few of us here running our new camera that was donated um, by a sister here in the church. Um, so we'll be, have three cameras for live streaming. So that should be set up for Sunday morning, Lord willing. And um, very thankful for that. That was given. Um, so just wanted to announce those before I forget. And uh, service Wednesday night at 730. It's been good to have Brother Joel Brown's sons with us today. God bless you, brothers. Tell Brother Joel we said, hey, certainly love Brother Joel. <laughs> Amen. We'll sing this as, as we're dismissed. QC. <clears throat> oh, if you want to know